Where the f are you? There's four towie humans in the cab and you're in bed. F me, fire up. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to episode 26 of the 2022 season of Fire Up! I'm Dennis Carnahan here, affronted by suggestions that my Raiders Bradbury'd into the top eight. Bradbury'd! We could have lost another game and still made it. Phoenix, Felix Addersley said twice in his Monday press conferences that the Raiders were dudded once by a Matt Lodge dive, giving away a penalty in front of the post where there shouldn't have been one, and once by Ben Carmichael Hunt, infringing not once, not twice, but thrice in front of the post in the last 20 seconds of a two-point game, not being penalised. Phoenix said he should have been pinned. Breathe, Dennis. Breathe. Be present. My team's made the top eight and I'm fired up. But I'm here with Chris Gale, who is serene, at peace, glowing in the relief that it's all over. The coup de grace delivered resoundingly at Leichhardt Oval on Sunday. And at the controlled Patsman Pat, fired up by the arrogance of the roosters and who wouldn't be fired up by such arrogance but here we are at the end of the regular season the home and away season the minor premiership it's done it's been a tumultuous and at times and for some painful seven months since the season kicked off in march but at last it's finished the new dynasty, the Mugler Kardashians from the foot of the mountains. The reigning premiers have won the minor premiership despite the alleged presence of weak gutted dogs in their ranks. So now, as the saying goes, it's a whole new season, a whole new ball game. The business end, the big dance looming like the proverbial carrot. Anything can happen and probably will. And to get the ball rolling, there are four absolutely mouth-watering clashes lined up this weekend, filling the newspapers. Animosity and rivalries and hatred that go back years, decades, well back into the last century, indeed back to the last millennium. So Chris Gale, can you run us through these four mouth-watering matchups that will kick off the new season of NRL clashes? It'll be my personal pleasure, Dennis Carnahan. And can I just say from a personal point of view, congratulations to both of you. But I've never been excited as I am for, as you described so aptly, this mouth-watering selection oh. of postseason clashes that has the eyes not just of the rugby league community, but I believe the eyes of the world pointing directly at the NRL. Absolutely. First up, we've got the Roosters and the Rabbits debating the merits of when does the stadium become a home. Mm. Now, that is a bitter clash, bitter rivalry. It's explosive, foundation clubs going at it. And that's not all. Your Canberra Raiders, yes. who snuck, stumbled, fell into the top eight, are finding themselves locking horns with the National Rugby League because they're forced to do a, oh, get this, a six-day turnaround into a semi-final. I mean, seriously, talk about your first world problems, Canberra. But they're taking on the might of NRL. We're talking about the Overlord. We're talking about Sir Peter Volandis. It's going That's to be tough. Clash. But boy, oh boy, is that just going to have the eyes glued to the screen all weekend, if not tablets and newspapers. Now, as we get deep into the first week of the postseason, and I certainly experienced this up close and personal over the weekend, my West Tigers mm -hmm. are here in the postseason yet again. Yes. Yes. Taking on the New South Wales government about fair funding for oh. Leichhardt Oval. 
wasn't it a juxtaposition seeing the Friday night jewel in the crown as against the Sunday, the you know, well, bastard child? Well, I was at both. We'll go into that. Yes. It's simply that one of the fair funding banners was up where the fence had caved in, uh, setting those poor rugby union, if you know what that game is, uh, supporters tumbling to the turf. And what's the fourth clash? Well... <laughs> This is the absolute headliner. If you thought it couldn't get any better, if you thought rugby league wasn't giving you enough, Manly is taking on Manly. No one hates Manly as much as Manly hates Manly. As they said, Manly hates you too. Well, Manly hates itself in a way that no other club can. And if you are a student of the contemporary arts and popular culture and, dare I say, binge slash foxtel, I believe that we'll uncover amazingly similarities between the emerging plotline mm-hmm. of the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon, and what is playing out daily in the media and will always be known as House of the Sea Eagle. And I'll bet you there's going to be more backstabbing, there's going to be more <laughs> controversies, more conspiracies, and more treachery in the House of the Sea Eagle than the poor people writing the House of the Dragon could ever come up with. We'll, we'll get into it, but I'd simply want to say this. We are watching the House of the Dragon over <laughs> at my household, and our friend JR, Rooster Booster, comes to enjoy it because he loved Game of Thrones so much he would gurgle like a baby during um, the, <laughs> the episodes, you know, with delight about, you know, what I, you know, Aya was doing here and. Daenerys was doing there and whatever. He's struggling with this one because it's very much more unilaterally focused on one particular part of the world, right? And I really feel that House of the Seagull is not doing it a favour because this has got more twists, turns and rival factions than Game of Thrones at its height even before the somewhat questionable season seven. So this is you've got the Game of Thrones with all the different houses, and you're saying that the, the game of, what's it called? The game of dragons. The house of the, the dragon. House of the dragon. It's just about the one. Which, more, more or less. Which does tie in nicely with the insular peninsula. Mm. Because in those, like there's, what, there's two roads out and they're often closed. The spit, once <laughs> one of there's a bridge. The, once the bridge opens, there's only one road out and that road is often blocked. What is that road, by the way? That's sort of a Wakehurst Parkway Yeah, yeah down across approach, the Roseville Bridge. Wow. Oh, I guess you can get out the back way uh, through St. Ives. Well, why would you ever want to leave? <laughs> We certainly don't want them to leave. They don't. And that, that, that had it been uh, Roosters, Rooster Seagull at the uh, new Sydney Football Stadium, there would have been no one there because there's <laughs> only Rabbitohs fans there booing their own patrol Mitchell. At least I would have had some room. Yes. So what are the factions there at the House of the Seagull? So we're right into it now, House let's of the Seagull? Let's go into the House of the Seagull straight up. No, okay. actually, no. Let, let's start Let's start with the Roosters and Rabbits. Let's go there because this is one that's been going on forever and ever. And you've got Nick Politis who's put in a claim. He's put in a Politis land rights claim saying, this is, yeah, we are indigenous to this area. This is our area. This is our home. No one else belongs to it. So I thought uh, Redfern Pat had basically exposed the fallacy of the rooster's way on this particular issue but un- last week. But unbeknownst to us, Uncle Nick did his annual sojourn on a rooster's radio, which I, from what I understand has a listenership that rivals ours, so it's not very large. <laughs> but when Nick goes on, the whole world listens. And, and I'm quoting here from rooster's radio, for another club to say we want to go there because it's our home, it's not their home. The Roosters are the only people that belong there. So this really is a matter of heritage and rights and so forth. Now, Reverend Pat's already pointed out the number of occasions where the Sydney Roosters 
and let's face it, that's what they are now. They're not even eastern suburbs. Mm. Has not played in the Moore Park region for a variety of reasons. But I had um, Roosters luminaries arcing up in support of Nick because Nick, like um, Trent, is next to God and saying this is a disgrace. Souths have never played here. And I go, well, except between 1988 and 2006 from memory when it was their home ground when the SFS opened. So if we're looking with laser focus at what Alliance is, which is a rebirth of the 1986 into 87 Philip Cox structure, I believe that the Rabbits have a very significant claim here. Mm -hmm. And whilst uh, the concern is if you're out there, and I know we'll be talking in a later segment um, and bringing in Redfern Pat about our collective experiences at Allianz at, if we can use the expression new girl, I'm not sure that we can, last Friday night. If you go there on the Moore Park roadside, you see the Sydney Roosters emblem and the words, home of the Sydney Roosters. Yeah. Right, which is arrogance extreme, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I believe that Parramatta has tweaked at this, right? Because they've been come one, come all. Yeah. Canterbury's played there. West Tigers have certainly Your played own there. West Tigers, yeah. Yeah. And they're going, well, we want some of that, right? Yeah. We, we want Parramatta Eels, you know, home of the Parramatta Eels, Combank, blah, blah, blah. And the arcane argument that's been put to me from Roosterland, which is that there's some tenant or something, some sort of legal concept that gives them the right to say that no one else can play there. Well, if we're talking land rights, and I don't want to get into a controversial area, but we are, <laughs> the rabbits were there between... 87 or 80, yeah, 87 and 2006, roughly. Yep. And I'm hearing on the quiet that Venues New South Wales Ooh. is offering the South City Rabbitohs three games a year there for the next five years. Now, it's a, wow. sli it's a slightly poison chalice because the games they're offering are the ones that the Rabbits traditionally take to Perth and to the regions, right? So they're not cannibalizing the ACOR content. But if I'm South Sydney, and I'm not, and I wake up every day and grateful that I'm not, <laughs> I'd take that deal, send out a lot of clinics to the regions, do what you can in the off-season, make your apologies. But if you combine that original occupancy of the Sydney Football Stadium with five, 15 games over the next five years, down comes the home of the Sydney Roosters decal, in my view, and it becomes what it was always meant to be, Dennis, which is a community asset. Which is the Sydney Football Stadium. Exactly. Not the Sydney Roosters Football Stadium in the official title, which I which I prefer because it'll last longer than Allianz. It's the official title. And when it was closed down, when it was being rebuilt, it was still called the Sydney Football Stadium. It has and always will be called that. Now, it will have different corporate sponsors. But it is the Sydney Football Stadium. It is not the Sydney Roosters Football Stadium. It is not the Sydney City Roosters Football Stadium. It is not the Eastern Suburb. Roosters Football Stadium. It is not the Eastern Suburbs Tricolours. Those are four different clubs. You just Let's point this out. We keep hearing this same thing. Oh, we've been there. This is not a Rubbish! The, the Sydney Tricolours. Then they disbanded and became the Sydney Roosters. Then they disbanded and became the Sydney City Roosters. Then they disbanded and became the Eastern Suburbs. It's just ridiculous to pretend. To pretend that they've got this continuity. It's a lie. It's forged history. That's what it is. They're forging history. Tenant or not tenant, each time a new lease document had to be drawn up. Exactly. Because it was clearly a different entity. A and, different business. And what you say is so eloquently put. Here is a team. Yes, it's been around in some shape or form since 1908. But it doesn't know who it is, Dennis. Oh, it's, it has no I mean, identity. I mean, Sydney City sounded like, you know, like a bit of a kowtow to a certain well-known sponsor, Hello City Ford. Hello. And they settled on Sydney Roosters after the Tigers and the Bulldogs, quite rightly, 
uh, withdrew from that particular from being narrative. The Tigers and the Sydney Bulldogs. But there I was, and I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into the Allianz experience now, but I have to say this: there I was in the immediate lead up to the game, and out came the hello Scots College, you know, pipe <laughs> band and drummers <laughs> and whatever, and they start beating out the Tribal Toms, Phantom style, and the chant is Oosts. I East. know. They I don't mean, know who they are. They have no idea who they are. So I don't know how they can claim to call that stadium. I agree it's their house, but it sure as hell is not their I home. I do think it's funny that they've got um, at the front, there's a picture. I don't know. It's, I think it's Sydney FC, is it? Oh, yeah. You've got the Waratahs Sydney, as well. The, the Waratahs, as you like to say. The Waratahs. Not the Waratahs. The Waratahs, Sydney FC. And it's interesting they call it Sydney Football Stadium. And the Parramatta Stadium, the reason it's, called, it's not called Parramatta Stadium, it's called Western Sydney Stadium. Is for that exact purpose to say this is not the Parramatta Eels home ground, which Parramatta Stadium was. This is a different, despite being in the same place, because it's the home of the Western Sydney Wanderers. So it's kowtowing to this tiny minority group that are so ahead. Like, sure, they play it in the rest of the world, and they play it in Brazil, and they play it in Europe. Not as big a game here, folks. But the reason it's called Western Sydney Stadium is so it's the Western Sydney Wanderers home ground. For God's sake, the last time the knock on effect actually had a grand final, the Jets won out there. I almost feel like it's the home of the Jets. <laughs> it, it should be. It should be. Does that make them reigning premiers? They, in, in all shapes and forms, Absolutely at the moment. Absolutely, they are. So there, we've got we've got that. We've got that one clash, and then there's this clash. Oh, like Ricky loves a clash. Ricky loves like he he's worked out that in press conferences you don't abuse the refs. So oh, he's worked like that out, refs. has he? I like the refs, but. <laughs> I feel for them. What about, what about opposition NRL, players, Dennis? Opposition players. Well, it depends if you had family history with them or not. But now- <laughs> I reckon Ricky's had family history with a lot of opposition players. Let's just put it that way. Uh, no, he likes people. He's a lover, Rick. Rick's a lover. But he's a very passionate man. But he's very unhappy because, again, the Raiders have been locked out. So with the Storms, when did the Storms play? Was that Thursday night? Yes, they against Parramatta. So Thursday night. Thursday, Friday day off, Saturday day off, Sunday day off. Monday day off, Tuesday back at training. Whereas the Raiders don't get that luxury of having of resting their players. They've, they've had to have this really brutal game on Sunday where they were belted by those the, the, the Tigers forwards. Really gave it to them. You well, can see how hard they were giving it to them. So the poor old Raiders, they're banged up from this blood and guts clash at Leichhardt Oval. And they've only got six days to recover from that. Whereas the, the, the Storms have nine like I was, I would have been thinking that um, the Raiders would have to be accepting of the fact that when they did the draw, they expected that the competition would come to a crescendo. Tigers v Raiders Sunday, last day of the the, the regular season out mm. of Leichhardt because so much would be at stake. Yes, turns out it wasn't, but you know it was a good theory. And if that's the price the Raiders have to pay, because let's face it, from what I'm hearing, you believe they're carrying their game the game on their very broad oh, shoulders. Absolutely. They can take this additional burden on and turn it into gold if they defeat the well-rested and well-rehabbed, hello, Jerome Hughes, Melbourne yeah, Storms. Indeed. And, and I mean, who could forget last year where they were locked out? They weren't allowed to go to the, to the ground the day before. The NRL said, no, you have to bubble and you can't go until the day. You can't spend the night in the same city as the as the stadium, and you have to fly in the morning. And then they cancelled the flight. So the, the Raiders are getting their pre-game rest on the floor of the airport. This is a disgrace. But as well, Ricky said, we're a team that's used to getting the short straw. Sure, sure. You know, just bing, man- bing, bing. Just Level unlocked, achievement, 
underdog status. Yeah, completely manufactured. And by the way, I think the eighth immortal Joe Johns will tell you about the merits of sleeping on an airport floor <laughs> a la that particular occasion at Toowoomba, and he always looks rested and ready to go for mine. Doesn't he? Now, there's the, the next clash we were talking about, and this, mm. is, this is one of the great clashes. This one's been going on for a long time. Mm. I mean, who can forget the poor old meth lab and Benny Elias and Christina Keneally saying, yes, we're going to make that a big station. We're going to put a, a huge apartment block up there and rebuild the club, et cetera, et cetera. And again, the Tigers were screwed over. It's happening again with Leichhardt Oval. So as opposed to the Roosters who don't know who they are, I mean, the West Tigers have got a very, very clear narrative of who they are. Two proud heritage clubs have come together, Balmain and Western Suburbs. Their main issue is basically they represent the history of Australian architecture in their, in their venues that they're involved in. So we range from the eighth wonder of the world, Leichhardt Oval, yep. which evokes the spirit of a long-gone age based on facilities <laughs> that are of a long-gone age that are literally crumbling in part. Like, I've been to Rome, you know, the Forum, and you can see yeah, yeah, antiquities yeah. going back centuries. That's yep. how I feel when I walk into Leichhardt Oval. Like, I feel like I'm peering back into the 1940s. And it, it, it's like the Fora Romana where you look down and you see, or the, the Fora Argentina where you look down and you can see this is the spot where Caesar was, was yeah. murdered. And there, these are the underground toilets, which are now locked off. From public public access, do they ever take tours down there, like ghost tours? Well, <laughs> with with a, you know you know the, with those shows with the infrared things yeah, and everything's in yeah. green. We always go, why do they call it infrared if it's green? I never understood that. But I could explain it if you want, but time uh, doesn't permit. So we, we so that's the experience you get at Leichhardt. Then you go out to something that just screams early eighties, like Campbelltown Sports Ground, right? Sort of going. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take exactly the same design as a place like Leichhardt, but just build it 40 years later. Yep. And then we move up through the modern era of architecture embodied by Western Sydney slash Combank Stadium, as you pointed out, mm. where we're itinerant and we're certainly not a tenant. I hasten to point that out. Yep. And then, Dennis, just off Parramatta Road in Loftus Street. Hello. In the, well, funnily enough, all those places I just named, Leichhardt, Campbelltown, Parramatta in Concord yes, is the new West Tigers Centre of Excellence. Wow. And I had the particular thrill to drive into the car park, almost collide with Zane Musgrove, uh, who was more committed to the collision than he was on the weekend, though he did actually end up in a bit of a brouhaha <laughs> at the end, and then go up through the lifts and then be met by a secure door and I was welcomed in by none other than departing skipper James Tarmow. Oh. And he's such a delightful man. And I was a little nervous. I said, look, I'm really glad you're playing next Monday. I said, I'm sorry, I mean next Sunday. And he goes, thank you very much for that, mate. Thank you very much. And then I hopped into the lift and there was Chrissy Lawrence. Oh. And, you know, we go way back. And I was in the West Tigers Centre of Excellence. And they know what they're doing when they take you on a tour of the Centre of Excellence because they take you straight to the kitchen. Is it, is it where you got the haircut? No, I, but I will post a picture of the barbershop, which apparently is being exclusively attended to by Alex Twoll, West Tigers player. Right. And so Justin Pascoe, the CEO, said, so on that basis, we've said to all the uh, the members of the women's squad and so forth, we'll pay for off-site hairdressing because we're not going to submit to Alex so Twall. Alex Twall is going to be the actual barber, just just the one, or has he got, has he got three? He'd have to have three counterparts. Well, he's only got the one seat, and it's only one seat in the barber. So you can only have one person clipping at a time. Wow. So Because you need four. You can't have your four-part harmony bar barbershop quartet with a soloist. Well, that's a work in progress. Um, so there will be no Tigers Barbershop Quartet yet. Is there a um, gold and black spiraled post outside like that should be red There's, and white? There should the be. Yeah. Um, there is a Hall of Heroes, though. 
Ooh. And that's that was very emotional. There's an interactive board where you can find out where everything is. Oh, so I thought you were talking about the board which Lee had to tell us chairs. It's not, it's no, not, no. It's not that's not interactive oh, at all. We went into the boardroom, Dennis, where there's the woodcut tiger's emblem on the wall. All the individual weights have the tiger's emblem on. I'm getting excited nice. because that's how you build spirit. Every time you lift a bit of a barbell, you you're thinking tiger. tigers, right? Yeah. We went to the kitchen and then there's a big balcony looking out over the playing arena. Mm-hmm. And there's talk that they'll play NRLW fixtures there, or or uh, maybe Harvard Norman, and that's that is a center of excellence where you can fire up the barbecue and watch high class rugby league wow. in an inner city venue without all the What's trappings the of the stadiums of that balcony of, of the about two hundred of the stadium. There's no stadium there as such. So there's the field. They've taken out those multicolored chairs. That's that, all uh, gone at the moment, and I don't know what their plans is. But let me tell you, it was exciting, Dennis. But this is. This is the trouble, and we just need the state government. And hello, Ministers for Sport, Alastair Henskins, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Saw him on Friday night, went to his breakfast briefing this morning, and he wanted to talk about skills and training. He wanted to talk about innovation, science, and research, not prepared to brook the issue of Leichhardt Oval. So The issue that matters. This clash is going to run and run and run, Dennis, and I believe as at the end of 2023, that's it for games at Leichhardt. The, the, the Tigers are really threatening that hard, aren't they? That they're, they're pulling the plug. Darcy Byrne was going around. The, well, the mayor, you know it's was, a serious issue when Darcy Byrne gets involved. Yeah, he was going around. He was putting them up himself, those uh, Save the Leichhardt Oval posters. And then I didn't see Dom Perrottet turn up. No. Was Darcy Byrne actually there? I think Darcy would have been there. Because I did one I think he was, just- on the, he was on the hill with Kenty. Uh, oh, well, and Kenny-, Kenny bailed him up about the $50 general admission tickets. He goes, like, it's not, it's not my deal, Paul. Yeah. But it's someone's deal. And, it, you know, one would argue that uh, there could have been a bit of a discount there. If we, if we are just going to close on this discussion, Dennis, it was slightly surreal um, because towards the end of the game, this is what happened. Against the Roosters. Now there's an issue. Musgrove set upon here by Hatterwood and Niner speaking of the sometimes fiery back rower. He saw something there on the ground from Musgrove and he resented it in no uncertain fashion. Well, the siren is sounding for an evacuation and maybe that's what the Tigers were hoping for. Do you reckon that's Brett Kamali who's pulled the ripcord and set off the the evacuation signal? So this was towards the end of the game, and in, in what was can only be described as a Pavlovian response. As soon as the emergency alarm went off, the players went at it. It was fantastic. It really was. It? it was like cattle dog. It was. <laughs> now, now I was. Do you think Brick Kamali had said, "We're going to pull the alarm as soon as you hear whoop, whoop, That's it. It's cattle dog. Now I'm in the, and for some reason you can't open the window at the moment to take in the atmosphere. I'm ensconced in my suite in the Latcham Robinson stand, right up one suite. I yeah, I know, and and it's been soundproof. Like there could be a Klingon invasion and we wouldn't hear it. But apparently there was an evacuation call, right? Well, that, you could actually hear it in the audio there. So listeners, listen back. You can hear. I believe it's Grant Goldman, the old voice of Vel Morgan and voice of uh, previously of of Brookvale Oval, saying, "Emergency, evacuate now." What? What emergency? Evacuate now. He's done the New South. So they, he has the same voice that drew it every week at um, Newcastle. Every week they'll have that going off, and it's, it's exciting stuff. See, with Tigers fans, we see the future, Dennis. We're prescient. We can actually stare into the future because what you'll find is around about the thirty-minute mark in the first half, a number of Tigers fans heard that evacuate call <laughs> and left at that particular point in time. It actually descended into high fast, Dennis. I just want to wrap on this uh, in the sense that uh, the fire engines arrived. 
Yep. I and, heard it coming. And, yep. I, and I was talking about this with my Uber driver and I said, it's, you know, it's, it's like there was a feeling that someone might want to blow up Leichhardt Oval and he looked at me and he said, they should blow up Leichhardt Oval. <laughs> and then we've got those smart people at Sydney Water who oh, love a funny yeah. tweet. Yeah. Sydney Water crews are responding to reports of a significant leak at Leichhardt Oval. According to witnesses, extensive irreparable cracks have appeared in West Tigers' defence. This should be restored by March 2023. Maybe, maybe not. My partner Mary Jane goes, that's not funny. And That's just cruel. And to top it all off, Dennis, the highlight possibly for everyone was, in fact, pre-game, Colonel Sanders was at the game. Uh, Terry Ball has posted on our little Facebook chat uh, group, Blowing Up Deluxe, a picture of the great Pat Richards mm. talking Colonel Sanders through the 2005 try. Oh. And, and Sanders said, I just loved how you touched up Rod Jensen with that palm. So my understanding was it was free KFC. Uh, Terry Bull, friend of the show, was there with his daughter and she delighted in the free food and Terry reported she went home and promptly threw up. And <laughs> it wasn't the KFC. It was his daughter's commentary on the West Tigers season. And fair enough too. But let, let's let that sleeping let, – let's just let the, them lie down and let's go to the main event, the biggest game of the weekend, the biggest clash of the season. And it's the House of the Seagull and it's – so. Am I right? This is actually a three-way contest. You have the Hazlerites mm. who, who are backing Desi, mm. and then you have the children of Bozo, mm -hmm. so it's the Fultonites. Definitely the heirs of Bozo are involved. And then you have- I, I would call them the Fultonians. The Fultonians. And then you have the Diversity Seven <laughs> as an entirely separate- Entity. I like to refer to them as the Seaside Seven. The Seaside Most Seven. Most people refer to them as Riff and Pat so successfully tweeted the Manly Seven. I don't even think that's the half of it, Dennis. <laughs> you think there's more? There's more. First of all, the harbinger of all this uh, in infighting and it all spilling out in a way that Andrew Webster in the uh, Nine Press this morning said, Bozo, for all his faults, would never have let it be aired so uh, much in public, Yeah, was... Kyo Weeks, who played fullback for Manly on the weekend. I know Kyo. Yeah, yeah. Let's down the stretch Kyo. where you know Manly had the unlosable game in their grass, dropped a late bomb from Matt Burton, and mm. from that uh, it all unravelled. Yeah. You coached the guy, right? Yep, I coached him, on, yeah. particularly on catching bombs. That I believe he had a good game thing. apart from that. But anyway, so the floodgates were open. So you've mentioned some of the personalities here, but of course it's focused on two things. It's focused on Des mm -hmm. as coach. Yep. And the fact that he's seen to wield too much power, he's an autocrat, he's a didact or something like that. Right. And so people are not trying to necessarily cut his head off first. They want to neuter him, <laughs> which is, you know, very Game of Thrones, you know, just sort of depower Des and sort of say, we are going to tell you who goes in. And and in that particular issue, there's a huge rivalry going on between Des and the owners of the club, the Penn family. These are the New York Penn family. Yeah, or the Pennises, as I call them. <laughs> and the Pennises, I mean, Scott flew back. He wasn't interested in the Pride jersey issue, but he flew back this weekend once Weeks dropped the bomb, and yeah. Des has locked him out of the sheds. So there's that going on. Tony Mestrov, whoever the hell he is, allegedly former player, worked with the dish lickers. He's come in, and you've got Mestrov and Peter Peters as free radicals. Zorba. You know, moving through here. And the other dimension of all this is, and there's no greater fan of this kid than me, Dennis, Daly Cherry Evans. DCE, what a great guy. Successful origin coach, winning- Captain. Yeah, ca captain, I should say. Winning unwin unwinnable series. The worst origin team in history. 
and he wins the series. Yeah, I think he's captained the three worst Origin teams in history and won at least one of them. They want him. And who knows who they are? Is it the Penises? Is it the Fultonians? Is it the Hazlerites? Is it the Seaside Seven? They they want DC Gorn from the captaincy and they want to bring in Jake. Jake? Because everyone loves Jubo. the Travoyers. But then- in order well, to- who's going to make the sandwich? Who's going to be cooking the sausages for the juniors if Jerbo's who's, captain? Who's putting out the Toblerones? Exactly. What about the advertising hoardings? If he's if he's burdened with having to go to post match conferences, who's calling everything nice? And of course, this leads to concern that the Travoyevichs, and this is like the whole world turned upside down. Like everything you knew to be true is wrong. Is there's talk of the Travoyevichs going to the Dolphins? No. Which isn't crazy because that's another seaside team. So in order to quell this unrest, and I mean, the the, the dike is just, leaks are going everywhere. Uh, Widler, The little Dutch boy's running out of fingers. That's right, Widler, voice of reason, <laughs> gets a sit down last night on the news with DCE and Tom Travoyevich saying, we're all sweet. But where was Jake? So you're saying that to- there's, there's even a divide in the Travoyevich camp that Jake, the alternative captain, didn't sit down with his brother and the current captain, that Tom is torn, torn Tommy Turbo, <laughs> torn between his filial relationship and his captain. Loyalties, families, brothers turning against brothers. And you'd hate to think that he's a puppet, but with that shoulder, he sort of got that sort of erratic movement <laughs> of his arms. Now, a marionette. We, we can't solve this No here. strings attached. I mean, one thing I'd love, listeners, to let me know is what do Scott Brett and Kirsty Fulton do at the club because they're the Fultonians and they're key and they're, they're everywhere. Um, but Marty Kapow's pissed off. He's leaving. He's posted videos about how he's been ignored in the office. <laughs> that video was fantastic of him just standing there waiting for the ball, waiting for the ball, waiting for the ball. That was even more than Joe Tarpany's wife posting. But for you Game of Thrones fans there, it seems like the whole thing is atten- potentially supposedly going to be resolved by Daenerys like John Shuster flying in on a dragon or a big sea eagle. And becoming the new captain of the Manly Seagulls. So you've got a new to Des. DC moved on. Jake's gone to Tom to the Dolphins. And John Schuster is your new captain. Josh, Josh Schuster. Josh Schuster. John Schuster played for Newcastle. Sorry. <laughs> this to me says no wonder only half of the Manly squad made Mad Monday yesterday. True fact of Brookvale. Only half of them turned out. But no one knows which half. Right? Oh, wow. And to put a bow and a ribbon on this, Dennis, because this will run and it will keep us going through all the off-season. There'll be nothing else to talk about because who's interested in the playoffs? In the manly bloodbath. Yeah. Or playoffs. Danny Weidler in the press Mm, on the weekend went back and talked about the Seaside 7, the Manly 7, the Diversity 7. Yep. And he says, it would be explosive if this got out, but they're not keeping the best type of company. In fact, Dennis, they're keeping bad company.
through the sheds. I could not handle it. Mate, the music in there, right? It's yep. all this doof, 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 mate. You would love it, right? Yeah. I was waiting for the next track. Right, guess what? It was Lady Gaga. Mate, what about ACDC? Mm, you see that? Asleep. Well, thank you, Spud. What a marvellous insight that is onto the... Uh, what was that? That was the Bad Company by Melvo Baptiste. Um, see you later, Spud. Thank you, Spud. Now... The new girl. We've we've touched on it before. The home, <laughs> the home of the Sydney Roosters, paid for by the public purse. And how good is this? Jumping aboard eight hundred and sixty million dollars of taxpayers' money that was ripped straight from the heart of Peter Fitzsimons. If you'd read his columns, it was actually torn from his sinews. That eight hundred and sixty million dollars, and now the Roosters are just claiming it as one hundred percent theirs. This isn't the public's. This doesn't belong to anyone. This belongs to Nick Politis and the Roosters. My, my but, understanding is that Peter Fitzsimons is in an unnamed medical facility it, because it, you know. And we talked about James Tamo before, and he talked about the arousal. Yes. For Simons would have been over aroused on the weekend. You've got unnecessary stadium opening and all yep. the hoo ha about that. Poor old Cameron Murray, the latest. Oh, I mean, yep. he had his article ready to go on Victor the Defector. Yeah. And then he's got Cameron Murray coming in over the top of that. And then, of course, Cameron Smith, the other one defects to the LIV yeah. golf tour. It's just been too much for poor old Pete Fitz and we won't be seeing him for a little while. And what's even worse for poor old Fitz, Pete Fitz is that two little tiny suburban clubs from just a, a little Sydney competition, the Roosters <laughs> and the Rabbitohs, two suburban clubs, um, their home ground crowd was more than the mighty Wallabies and Springboks drew for an international clash. Did you, did, did you old- have to work that game? Thankfully, no. I just hear it was just a sensational sports event. <laughs> People just said, I really loved it. Really fantastic. Yep. And the, the, the only report I read was from one of the Wallabies players saying that. It's funny because you can't hear any atmosphere in the dressing room because it's so quiet in there. Then you walk out and it's kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I found to be, as working, doing sound at the stadium for, for broadcast, that the decay, as we heard last week, listeners, go back and listen to last week's marvellous audio that Chris had of him going, come on, you Tigers! Go, go you Tigers! In that stadium, because the, the tale, the reverb tale, goes on for days and days. The sustain in that stadium. So when you've got 42,000 Rabbitohs fans booing Latrell because they've been paid to boo Latrell because there's no Roosters fans actually there... It just, it sounded enormous. It was wonderful. The media area, they're very small, I'll say, and some of the wiring, I don't know if I went into this last week, some of the wiring is very questionable. It's mm-hmm. clear that this was a $1.5 billion stadium built for 860 So there's a few things left out. We had police coming through beforehand, and they were doing checks, and they do this before big games, especially if a prime minister may be turning up. So they had the dog sniffing through, making sure everything was tickety-boo. And I stupidly said to one policeman, if you want to look for a crime, try and find the electrician that did this and pointed a couple of things out. And he said, sorry, mate, that's way down the list. We're trying to, the crime we're investigating is why the architects put carpets in the lockup downstairs. Why did he build a lockup and put carpet in it? Because a lockup is not a place where someone's going to go and be clean. It's a place where someone's going to go and they're going to hose it down with either vomit or, or feces or urine or blood. 
So that was there. The, even the Sounds police, like the Canberra dressing room. Exactly. Even the police had a gripe about it. How was your experience, Chris? Uh, look, I would sort of call it mixed. Mixed. Dennis. Um, it, uh, the environs were very pleasant. The big four courts as you arrive. Mm. I love the extra space. And let's call a spade a spade. Um, much better disabled access, proper viewing points. Well, let's let's more. go through the numbers. There were twelve times as many women's toilets as the old Thank SFS. You. There are four times as many men's toilets as the old SFS. I believe there are also twelve times. Ah, uh, no, it's up to twenty times more disabled access toilets than the old SFS. That's a big deal. Because I, I remember the queues to get to the toilets on the concourse on the western side, you had to go through these three queues that were that interlocked like fingers, like, like Dave Allen's fingers as he was making his half steeple church. That's right. They interlocked and overlapped and intertwined, and you had to get through all three. And these were queues for a, a bar that was fifty meters to the left, another bar that was fifty meters to the right, and a food court that was a hundred meters to the left. So you had to get through those queues. Those queues were all over 100 metres for three shops. Was it the same? Well, it wasn't the same, but there were, can I call them, teething troubles. Ah, and there were some more fundamental issues. If we talk about catering, uh, I you know, I experienced it myself and I could see in the lead up to the match that the food wasn't being served. So, of course, I took an approach which is I'll be hungry and I'll go back at half time. And I was lucky enough to um, snare myself some fish and chips. No tartare sauce, I happen to mention. Goodness. Uh, at half time. But basically, what happens, my understanding is the gas went down. <laughs> and some of my uh, contacts out there found it pretty difficult. I know one in particular spent 10 minutes curing in a line to purchase a stadium burger, yep. which was on the picture outside the outlet and got to the front of the line and goes, Oh, no, we don't make them here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong stadium. So then relocated to the Mexican uh, Cantina? Yeah, a 30-minute queue, uh, which took him to after the resumption, uh, to to, took him to after the kickoff. Uh, and so that was you know, about a 50-minute investment in not getting a stadium burger and um, paying over $50 for three burritos. Wow. And so I think communication is important, Dennis, in the modern world. And I think that all those people who were standing there not collecting money because there was no food to serve might have been able to go manage that a little bit better. Uh, I do believe that uh, a number of the female patrons were delighted to see the men's queuing for the urinals in the, yep. at halftime and they just strolled into these additional facilities as you highlighted. So that was exciting. Uh, you got rained on. I don't know, Stuart is. I mean, no wonder. <laughs> That's the main reason he lost the portfolio. They did the physics. You got rained on. Because I still remember this. When they opened the first stadium, the, the, the first Sydney football stadium on the side of the old sports ground, um, it had that sort of sweeping roof that was it was open at the ends. And I remember the architect saying, no, 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 there's this special, there's this vortex effect where the wind that comes in will go around the stadium and will take the rain away from the patrons. So the roof acts to control. That's why it's shaped like it is. It's like an airfoil. Yeah, yeah. It controls it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that you get wet. That architect was microdosing, I reckon. And um, look, the Wi-Fi access was questionable. The PA ruck infringement came through loud and clear. Then the video ref was kind of like <laughs> uh, Mitchell, uh, uh, Cody. Like you couldn't hear a thing. And the poor guy doing the welcome to country, forget it. You just couldn't hear him. Yep. So there are teething troubles there, but there's one fundamental issue, and I admit and fully disclose here, I have shares. No, I. <laughs> I am uh, above average in height. Yep. I believe the stadium, the seating configuration was built according to 1908 foundation <laughs> principles of what the human form 
and average height and weight, etc., was back low at the beginning of rugby league because the legroom was non-existent. People, much smaller frame than me, had like everyone had to stand up for everyone to get past. Yeah. And my knees were abutting the plastic seat in front of me. Um, by the way, I was sat just near some beautiful cushion seats, Ooh. but we weren't allowed, allowed to sit on those. Were these nice donut-shaped cushions with a nice hole in the middle for? Yeah. And then, when I, as I looked around and saw, you know, Roosters' identities, Russell Fairfax, Jimmy Smith, even you know, huge uh, supporters like um, uh, Tim from used to do sports tonight on Channel Tim Webster. Webster. Uh, you know, so there were lots of teething troubles. The fact that I couldn't fit in the seats, that's probably going to grind my gears the most. Mm. What about you, Pat? Um, one thing I noticed about the redevelopment that a lot of people aren't talking about is the Captain Cook across the road. Yes. That looks, the that Captain, looks, please. The Captain now. No, it's still the Captain Cook. It's just the Captain on the front. Well, that's the name of the pub now. They've still got the- um, Oh, it's the other way around. The bust of yeah, Captain yeah, Cook yeah, on the yeah, thing, yeah, but it's now yeah. called the Captain. Yep. Yeah, wow. I'll, have to call in, uh, I'll have to call in Ben Fordham. Anyway, um, that looks great. That looks fantastic in there now. That's all, that's all done up. <laughs> well, I mean, this might speak to you because one of the things that really struck me, and I went with a uh, son of huge f- figure in South Sydney history, Don Lane, I went with his son, PJ. And as we walk out more private, I've never seen so many drunk people coming out of the stadium. It seems like the responsible service of alcohol was just given a bit of a rest. Is it, yeah. Was that your experience? There was, uh, yeah. <laughs> there, was, um, <laughs> there was people walking around with, What's the yellow beer, Stone and Wood? Or- yeah, yeah, the, the portable beer yeah. caddies they yeah, were fu- at $13.50 a throw. Well, they, wow. were, they were full strength, though, Yeah, those ones. Yeah, um, yeah it was a pretty loose, pretty loose crowd, I think. Yeah, I saw a little bit of argy-bargy outside the captain as I was driving down Moore Pike Road heading home. And the reason I saw that <laughs> was because the cab in front of me to get the right-hand lane turned into the tunnel just stops and the hazards go on. Oh, no. And the back door passenger side opens. And a guy gets out and he just sort of strolls across the traffic looking fairly nonchalant. And then a female passenger gets out who's looking less nonchalant. And and then the taxi just stops in the lane. And, of course, she proceeds to throw up, lock-up style. And I thought, he's a really, really progressive taxi guy. He didn't boot him out of the cab and they had other passengers. And he's, in fact, obstructed traffic while she can recover. And I just go, this is slightly loose. Wow. And I guess it's opening night, and people just sort of felt untrammeled and let their freak flags fly. I, I had an experience on that on that road, leaving a, leaving the cricket ground, where I was working for the um, ABC, and I had an ABC jacket on, and I was driving, and no, I was walking, and I said there was some police, and I said, "Am I better off um, walking to Central from here to catch a train, or heading up to like Oxford Street to get a cab? Where am I going to get a cab?" And the cops are like, where are you going to? I said, I'm going up to Hornsby. It's like, oh, do you want to take the, the tunnel? You, you want a cab? I'm like, yep. So they walk across. Is that Anzac Parade? So there's like three lanes of traffic coming along. These cops walk up, stop the traffic, call a cab out. So there you go. Get me in the cab. <laughs> Thanks. It's disorientating the entrance being on Moore Park Road now. Yeah, I mean, you still can't come off Driver Avenue. Oh, can you? There's the Driver Avenue stairs. That's Gate One. That's and my they're entrance. huge. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of stairs there. Yeah. It, oh yeah, the bar. Yeah, that bar you were telling me about a couple of weeks ago. Because yeah. I ended up getting ushered over to Moore Park 
Right. It's more than the Spanish. They should call them the Spanish. Yeah, the steps. the bar actually huge. is the members' entrance. I've okay. established, which uh, is next to Gate One. Because I was in the the Curtis Scott entrance. Right. On yeah, yeah, Park yeah, Road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's no memorial plaque there in Rugby Australia. Did you see those Rugby Union stick figures in the on the crazy paving next to the basketball hoops? I miss the basketball hoops. Community asset. Wow. So there's a lot. There's a lot of improvement in it, Dennis. Would be how I would. Well, I got it. the the DK of the. Like the reverbing of yeah, noise. Yeah. So, um, one of the people I was with, oh, Patty, the presets are playing. And yep. I thought it was just the preset songs. I could like, kind of hear a little bit of presets and it's just like fire and flashing lights. I was like, oh, they're playing a preset song, I guess. But it was the actual presets were there. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't make, I couldn't make nor hither nor hide of it. it, it it's, it's, I mean, the presets scream Sydney Roosters for mine. Absolutely. But I, I thought do. in a two song set, it was interesting that they opened with my people. Yeah. I thought yeah. they might have closed. The second song, Do What You Want or whatever, was maybe less well identified. Yeah, I didn't even, I wasn't paying attention. I just thought they were playing it over the PA because it's such a swelling. Yeah, except I had the direct feed of the PA and when he started, I don't think he could hear himself. Hello, people. I don't know, maybe he'd been in the captain quite some time beforehand. <laughs> but he did seem to pick up. So I don't know, if, I, I suspect the poor gentleman couldn't hear himself initially. Again, Teething troubles. And as for the booing of Luttrell, I mean, he won oh. you two premierships. Come on. Exactly. Ease up, people. That's the Ease up. But that's the Rooster's that's way. That's the Rooster's way. Just, it's disgraceful. There's a couple of South fans weren't happy with him either. <laughs> I was standing like, I was row C right behind the black dot of the end that the Roosters kept scoring at. Black dot. You mean the black, it, the it, black it, tube? Yeah. There, there was a lot of consternation around me about Latrell and the short dropouts. Yeah, I was watching him do the short dropouts. It's, it is. I don't want to get two AM radio, but it is kind of annoying when he keeps doing that. And he just does the hand up. Yeah. It's like, well, just Mine. stop doing it, Sorry, then. Boys. Stop doing it. The, the best comment though was because of the for and against when Tane Milne scored that extraordinary try. You know, yeah. it really was an extraordinary try. The Roosters fan just along for me was convinced that he'd stepped out right, and he goes. Towards not these exact words, we goes Jiminy Crickets. That's <laughs> potentially cost us fifth place. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! And there was like another little teething trouble, which I noticed was I didn't leave the stadium until about eleven thirty because of packing up. And there was about a thousand staff working at the stadium. There's no parking at the stadium, so most of them caught public transport. But several hundred had to park at the entertainment quarter. And as they got to the entertainment quarter gate, it was locked. It was being locked at 11.30. Well thought out, well planned out precinct. And as for the seats and the seat sizes and for the dimensions in the, in the um, broadcast area, the, the broadcast green room, oh my God, there's lounges, there's tables. I suspect it'll all be taken up by Channel 9 soon, but it's, it's quite luxurious. Um, but the stadium was designed, I think it's called Yellow Book. There's an architectural, there's a worldwide architectural standards. So those seats that you've got, they haven't looked at what's the Australian population, what's the Australian sizes. They've gone to international sizes. With the where the desks are for the broadcasters, they've gone to international standards. They haven't looked at the needs of what the sports that are going to be there. Because again, 1.5 billion, had they, play, had they paid that, they probably would have got a stadium suitable to the sports. But I just ask one question, 1.5 billion... For a forty-two thousand uh, seat stadium, Combank, Bankwest, Western Sydney Stadium, thirty thousand people, three hundred million. Oh yeah, but they only spent eight hundred and twenty-eight on Allianz in there. No, it's eight hundred and sixty. Oh, it's gone up. It's gone up. Eight hundred and sixty. Uh, that was the cost of, the of beer figures. on the weekend. It was yeah. the stick figures. <laughs> exactly. The cost of beer put it up. So that how how is it five times as much? 
But I'm, it sounds like I'm. Is that, I'm, is that, is that a rhetorical like, question? It sounds like I'm grinding an axe, Chris. But Chris, do you have any Arara Valley axes to grind? I certainly do, Dennis and Pat. First of all, just a couple of corrections or omissions from last week's show. I promised someone on Blowing Up Deluxe that I would talk about the great Parkway Drive's contribution to the montage with a bit of Matt Nable thrown in about the re-emergence of Allianz Stadium. That was Lynn, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. Well, I've now mentioned it. And uh, my understanding is that Parkway Drive are currently on tour in Germany and my mate Joel Farland is over there with them. So hello, Parkway Drive and Joel. And also, I referred to Bob Dylan's never-ending tour Mm-hmm. as the Rolling Thunder Review, right? And, of course, the Rolling Thunder Review is well and truly done, but he is on the never-ending tour. And um, it's just one of those things which is the name kind of suits and what it's it actually is. The never-ending tour. But my, I've got two Arara Valley axes to grind, but I need to do that in a rather somber mood because, unfortunately, the Arara Valley axemen did go down to the South Grafton Rebels. What a tragedy. They really got spanked, but it did get great coverage in um, the Murdoch press, including a picture of Sam, I think, consoling the captain or something. He had like his nose plastered across his Voldemort. Face. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kudos to you, Sam Burgess, for reviving the Axemen and bringing a lot of joy. Did Wayne Bennett turn up? Bennett turned up. Unannounced. And, and, what uh, a great man. Pitched Don't- into the cafe, oh. apparently, and he and Sam had several chats during the game. You know, Wayne basically saying, you've stuffed it here, Sam. But... um. What a great run. Get the Axemen back and active. Get him into the grand final and he'll be much missed. And um, kudos to Courtney Shapter and her contribution here. And it was a pity that those Caramba chili con carne pies didn't keep Sam home and he's gone back to the rabbits. Um, but my two axes to grind are this. First of all, there's a lot of conversation this week as we move into the playoffs, the semis as um, Blocker likes to refer to them. When they talk about someone, they go, they know what winning looks like. <laughs> right? Well, he knows what winning looks like. That team, well, I want to know what winning looks like, right? Because we've got to need over where the team that I support. So if someone can send me a picture of what winning looks like, that'll really help because apparently that is the key to success. Knowing what it looks like. Yeah. And my axe to grind is no one's sending me the picture. Mm. Well, Madge knew what winning looked like. He won it with the Rabbitohs. Yeah. Well, you know. And my other axe to grind has got nothing to do with rugby league. It's the announcement. And God love her. And I do love her. The announcement by Optus that Ash Barty is their chief of inspiration. I mean- (laughs) Give me a goddamn break. And that is my Arara Valley access to grind this week. Well, that's going to bring us then to my favourite new segment, Volandis Watch. What's Pete been up? What have you seen from the Overlord this week? Okay, so um, there's a couple of things to cover off here with Volandis, but I very quickly um, want to fold in because sometimes I get in confused, Nick Politis and... Peter Volandis, and it would be... They're both from Kithra. Yeah, it would be wrong for me not to make mention of the fact that he did stick his head above the parapet and appear on Roosters Radio. Yes. And talked about JWH as being like a member from the cast of Vikings. Right. And I don't know if either of you guys have watched Lothar Vikings. Ragnar, was that his name? Well, there you go. So I went to uh, the source, my friend Peter Collar, mm-hmm. and I said, who, who who's in the uh, in the discussion here? Ragnar Lothbrok. Right, that's him. Bishop Haymond and the Seer. But he goes, I'll choose Ragnar as Heyman reminds me too much of a friend of ours and the seer's a little creepy. Um, the scene where Ragnar hallucinates on the way to his execution and has a conversation with the seer. Spoiler alert. Yeah, is one of TV's defining moments. Um, he goes on to say that knocks drivel like Game of Thrones out of the ballpark. But I actually believe that that perfectly 
encapsulates what JWH looks like when he runs on the field. He looks like he's hallucinating on the way to his execution. So thank you for that, Peter. The problem is Ragnar looks so, look actually looks so much like Blake Austin. It really looks like him. Right, like, right. Doppelganger. Right. Well, Not know. quite as big as JWH and probably actually a little more merciful. Well, anyway, Blake's <laughs> gone to other climbs as we know. Volandi's watch, the focus has been on Joseph Swahalihi. How is that? Swahalihi. Swahalihi. I'm getting Swa'ali'i. close. Swahalihi. Uh, Drop the H, no aspiration. Who who returns to the Roosters this week, and there's concern right throughout the Roosters camp because Gus Gould opined last night that the Roosters can't maintain the way that they're playing and Robbo might have miscalculated and timed their run a bit early. But uh, Joseph is back, and, of course, he is the man of the moment. Mm. Hamish McLennan, who runs that little backwater called Rugby Australia, has got involved because there's talk of a 10 million... Di- just the one name? Yeah. Hamish McLennan, not yeah. Hamish Smythe McLennan? No, just Hamish McLennan. Wow. It's unusual, isn't it? It's a problem. 10 million for Joseph over five years is being bandied about. And he's said that Joe could be the Ian Thorpe of the two codes, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> and then Steve Nesteski, as Gus Gore was wont to pick out, uh, point out last night repeatedly on 100% Footy, who's an art dealer and, of course, who was the booster that got Joe into the orbit of the Rabbitohs, which has, again, f- you know, formulated another part of the Book of Feuds in the last week. He's gone on record and saying that Joe will be the Michael Jordan of rugby league. Right. I'm confused why you have to validate league players by liking them to other sports stars but i always have i've always wondered that and and when they compare it bring up golfing illusions or horse racing illusions where rugby league should be above all of those so nesheski art dealer has suggested that in order for swahali swahala you got me swahali swahali oh so it's the he that i'm doing at the end there's no okay swahali swahali it's just just like it's just like okay swahali Beautiful. Thank yes. you. Is that um, Tedesco needs to step down because that James is, wants to football. I saw that. That is beautiful. Gordy Tallis and James Graham have, dare I say, blown up the Lux. And James Graham, and I don't want to do the accent. What a fool for saying that. No. What about the pressure you're putting on Joe? Are you joking? Why would you say that publicly? And the poor kid, it goes, it makes him look bad, but by all accounts, he's a stand-up guy on a massive trajectory. And that's what we all want to be when we're young men, stand up on a massive trajectory. He doesn't need people thinking this is how he's acting behind closed doors. Can you imagine if we had the, the little cam on Joseph at home and he's going, I'm Michael Jordan. I can be Ian Thorpe. <laughs> I'm Ian Thorpe. Look yeah. how big my feet are. And he's 19 years of age and one of the greatest prospects and he shouldn't be spoken like this in the media thinking he's that much of a diva to have those sort of demands. Well, it is written that he's got clauses every year with the Roosters that if he doesn't get the bump that he's looking for, he can move on. So um, this is uh, something that's just gone out of control until the overlord weighed in. And he says, I'll just ring up Joe and tell him he's playing a boring, no one's interested game. Case closed. (laughs) Didn't he also suggest call Wendell? Ask him about Well, that it. was me. Well, that was you. It wasn't Bring in Matt Roy. Because of your we voice, get I get confused as to which All is the which. time. I, that was one of the interesting things on Friday night. I'd just be chatting to PJ and the Roosters supporters, and thank you, Stephen Gorey, for getting it sorted out with our new members' tickets, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> part of my community service. And I'd just be talking about the 10-meter rule or, you know, the six again or whatever, and people would stop me and go, oh, I, I just want to say, oh, no, you're not Peter Volandis. <laughs> it's that uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, it's all over. Now, this this show loves a rock star. It mm. loves a, a 
a gorgeous boy with beautiful cheekbones and eyes, dreamy eyes, and there's none more right now than Nico Hines. Oh, I thought you going to talk about Pat. So, can we, well, obviously Pat, there's Pat as well. But can we talk about? Can we have a new segment, Nico Watch? We can have a new segment, Nico Watch, as we go to the break because we haven't really focused on the playoffs very much. We haven't really talked We're playoffs. Yeah, the semis. We haven't really talked about you know the fact that thousands and thousands and thousands of locked fans out. have been locked, locked out of grounds. Out. Because of some arcane week one home ground rule. It is, it's not arcane at all. It is fantastic because there are no more than 10,000 Sharks fans and the Cowboys fans are not going to come down from North Queensland. Gee, wouldn't you have loved if this debate was going on this week about the Tigers playing at the Death Trap, aka Leichhardt Oval, <laughs> in the first week of the finals? We can dare to dream. Uh, but Nico Hines, who's been an absolute sens- sensation for the Sharks this year, says he was looking forward to um, the fact that they had to, first of all, get over the Knights. He goes, uh, we've got to beat Newcastle first. They're going to be looking for a win in their final home game in front of their law fans. But they goes, were wanting to, I believe the Knights were wanting to jump the shark. That's right. But then he goes, I love running out in front of the crowd here. They're all plastered, but they get into it and back us all the way. So that's why the Sharks <laughs> want to have a home game because there'll be 12,000 drunks there supporting- eleven. The, well, <laughs> it's arguable with all that scaffolding. You know, supporting the, well, I don't even, you wouldn't call it sky blue. What would you call it? Aqua blue? I don't really know. Weak blue? Blue, black and white. Pastel blue? And it got me to thinking, um, what's the right drinking song for the people who live in the Shire? And then it occurred to me, they like a fancy tropical drink and they sure. all want to get the hell out of the Shire. I was tired of my lady We'd been together too long Like a worn out recording Of a favourite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like pina colada So, what had Ray and his listeners so fired up? Next question. Next question. I can't tell you the truth. I can't tell you the, the, the way that game panned out because I'll get fined. So, uh, I'm not going to answer any questions. I've done my job. Thanks. So, we're at the end of season, and end of season means end of season reviews. What about the Tigers? Uh, I shouldn't oh, laugh. Here we go. At the moment, now other coaches that are under pressure, Michael Maguire, as the Tigers, uh, Sheens has called for calm, and he's back to coach Maguire today. Yeah, but you know what, guys? Tedesco, yeah. Woods, and, and Moses. Apparently, uh, the Tigers up in Newcastle before their game on Saturday night hit the pokies. And I think that Robbie Farrar was accused of calling Mike Maguire a name, and I don't. I don't think he meant it as an insult to Michael Maguire. I th- All right, Michael Maguire is getting on the front foot after months of speculation about his future. The West Tigers coach is adamant that he won't be going anywhere. Now, the West Tigers' obvious struggles 
out west at the moment, and Madge has willed the axe. He's... I think every footy fan, it doesn't matter if you're a Tigers supporter or not, would have been pleased for the Tigers to get that. Yeah, it was a Tigers Easter miracle. And that Sunday's game, V Manly at Campbelltown, will almost certainly be his last game. As usual, though, Braith, with the West Tigers, confusion reigns. Incredible in one day, two coaches sacked, huge news for the game. Well, it's amazing, it's amazing that it's happened, but it, what's really amazing is it took to, this long. Straight to tonight's Telstra top story, Luciano Leilua has sensationally walked out on the West Tigers just one week after the club sacked their coach, Mike. OK, well, the trouble in Tiger Town continues with Luke Brooks hitting out at the club bosses <laughs> for leaking inside information. The embattled half from ecstasy to agony in the space of just one second. That's how the Tigers were feeling after the Cowboys snatched victory with a controversial captain's challenge on the stroke of full time in Towns. All right, James Tamo is free to play in round 25 after a successful night at the judiciary. Uh, uh, they so, should refund so people after what they dished oh, uh, The players should come out and, and do, you know, they should put a barbecue on for everybody, get all 10,000 back there and say, you know what, well, buy a, a steak sandwich. Because the fact is, it was... It's interesting, all our focus now is West Tigers. <laughs> so, Anthony Maroon walked out of his show earlier this year, right? <laughs> So there is precedent, and yeah. we know that our chair, Lee Hedger-Patellis, likes precedent. So thank you for that, Pat. That was uh, – I, I, I actually found that healing. Well, that's a 360 review. So I counted they have 77 shows. They have the first half hour where they tackle two or three big yep. topics. I counted the Tigers in 30 of them. I counted the Raiders in four. I might – it's not exact. I only had, I didn't have – a whole week to go through it, but I counted the Raiders in 4-1 for Fogarty being out and then mm -hmm. three for Ricky. Um, we got a dog. Yeah, the WGD. Yeah. WGD game. But, so we are at, uh, we are at the end of the season and some of the, some of the games aren't as, as, as good as, as others and, and the Raiders Tigers was, was one of those. What do you mean? This, well, we got Matt Thompson here and we've been over that, that when they're throwing to a break. Of all people. You can kind if you can kind of dig out the audio from yep. the. So this might be a little bit hard to hear, but this is Matt Thompson during the Tigers. That's how bad is that during the Tigers game? No one's giving the Raiders enough credit. One box down in Fox, Warren Smith was a little bit more optimistic. You go back to the right instead. Good out ball from Laurie. Quick hands from Tyler to Mamalo and the Tigers have a second try. The comeback is on at Leica. <laughs> that will appear under the word sarcasm in the audio yeah. dictionary going forward. Yeah. Other highlights in commentary, Shane Flanagan was on the Gold Coast game. They just have to tighten up the defensively, the Titans. Not my style, saying the punchline twice, but um, he said it the, the pun way first, so tighten up the Titans. I would have said the Gold Coast need to tighten up, but... You know, each to each to their own. Then we've got Tasha Gale doing the the women's game, talking about the Roosters' undefeated reigning premiers. The Roosters are growing. Oh, she laboured that, didn't she? <laughs> laboured. Well, if you like natural delivery, what about this one? Well, I'm quite surprised. I thought it was the Knights that were going to take the sword to the Eels and cut off their, almost cut off their chances of making the finals. But no, it's been the electric Eels that have sent a jolt through the metal armour of the Knights as they lead into the second half. She's reading that. Where's she been? She's reading that. Do you think Cooper Cronk wrote that for her? <laughs> Tasha and I aren't related, but I wish we were. Yeah. 
Um, this is the the players get to pick their own music. Um, this is from that same game. Can request a song after she scores. It's an Akadaka special. Well, there she is going over for the try. Rakia Horn. I think it's going to be TNT if she could. Yeah. She can be explosive and she's delivered that first try. How's that for natural? Beautiful. And so on the topic of music, we go to the day before. This is Jamie Chapman getting a third. Fleetwood Mac. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, but she, you see that tattoo she has on her leg? It's actually a Fleetwood Mac tattoo. And that's a tattoo of Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks. Kids should not be getting tattoos of relationships because they don't last. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't really do it. No, that was a short lived. But I think they did the... Uh, they got together in New Zealand and they spent Australia the next leg of the tour together. Chris, right. Yeah, that's play on. I can't, I can't help you. And this was pointed out by Terry Ball. This is on the topic of music. This is Olakwatu scoring on Friday. He, of course, is one of the Seaside Seven. He planted down cleanly as well. And Manly are back in front. Yeah, just that soft touch Can you hear the there. music playing? They can mix their, their kicking game up pretty well with four, and this time it was Valley Cherry Evans just getting on that blind side. He chased hard. He oh, knew it was on. That's, that's more than what uh, Stephen Ferris did. That's beautiful. That's more than what Stephen Ferris did. Wow. I walk into the change rooms there. I've got 47 texts. I never turn my phone on after the game, but I thought I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking tonight. 47 texts. Every one of those texts. Agreed with every fan out there and everything I believe in. So on Blowing Up Deluxe, 17 is reporting that Cooper Cronk says you don't need rock stars in his team to win the premiership. You don't need rock stars. So he asked what rock star would you have in your team, which yep. is counterproductive to what Cooper was saying. But nonetheless, Daniel Michael saying Eric Groth Jr. didn't work out. Of course, he's a rock star. He didn't win a premiership. Terry Ball said Cameron Seraldo. He doesn't really strike me as a rock star, but this day and age, you know, he might be. Uh, he's good look. He's got the looks. Yeah. But he's not actually playing. No. No, but he could be good. He's good. Well, I think it's more that what the Bulldogs need. The uh, boy. Dennis Carnahan said Henry Rollins. What an idiot. Who's to which Brad O'Kane said that he's got the neck for it. Mm. I, Henry Rollins was in my gym one day. And I went on the, what's this? What's this one here? Is not the the tricep machine? After Henry, I had to lift the weight, make it heavier. Mm. <laughs> uh, you might, you guys might need to help me out with this one. Daniel Michael said, "Psycho Mike from Suicidal Tendencies." Uh, that'd be a bit of your medal there. Yeah. So which Brad O'Kane said he needs to change from Pepsi to water or Gatorade. I got no idea what that means, but hopefully that means something to somebody somewhere. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. Any others? Stewie Marler says Wayne Wayne Pierce and the heavy hitters. You get an old boys back anyway. Why don't you get when you get him back? Yeah, right. You know, because you know what Wayne, he knows what winning looks like. Yeah. Well, how many premierships did he? Well, at least we're in the playoffs. World Cup or something, probably. Yeah. Origin. Uh, he did captain Australia. He did captain the Blues. Ian Palmer says the lead singer from Thirty Odd Foot of Grunt. <laughs> Crowy. Although he, he might he, uh, he might be in trouble with the no punching rule. Wade Patrick yeah. said Billy Idol. And Andrew Arson says the Panthers have their John Deacon in Isaiah Yo. <laughs> I get that reference. Yeah. yeah, so it's Queen Basis. I had to look that up. 
Oh, you had to look that up? I, mean, I had to look that up. Deaky. Oh, here's, wow. here's a little bit of trivia for you. What is the highest selling Queen single in the United States of America? Ooh, I want it all? No. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> no one bites it off. Wow. Written by John Deacon. Deakey. Yeah. I mean, basically, it was Good Times by Chic, but uh, he just repurposed <laughs> it. But who would have thought of the four members of Queen, he was responsible for their highest selling single in the United States? And I don't know why Isaiah Yo is because he's the glue that holds the team together or he's got a similar look. Weren't they banned? Wasn't I've got to break free banned? No. What no, ha- no, that's, no. That's just a hit, wasn't it? No, what happened was Queen had, I mean, this is a long discussion, but the game on which Another One Bites the Dust came out in 1980 and they were back baby and they were really dominating in the States and going great guns. And then the film clip came out of I Want to Bake Free where the four characters were dressed yep. up like female characters in Coronation Street and it appears on MTV and it just didn't play with middle America and that no. basically finished their commercial career over there because in the US, yep. of the odd um, prejudices that were at play. Um, Imagine that. Imagine having your career changed by odd prejudices. Hello, Manly. Yeah, and here's a bit of homework. I mean, Luke Keery was in the papers a couple of weeks ago describing the Roosters' offense as like going to a rave party. And um, it did put into my mind, what is your team's offense most remind you of in terms of a social occasion? Um, you know. <laughs> South this year would be a year 10 dance. That's, that's all kinds of what, clunky. Do the Tigers, have, is there a social occasion? That, that well, the Tigers' of? offense is a little bit like the um, the meeting in 1908 at the town hall to convene the team. It's a bit old-fashioned. I don't know. <laughs> That's it for you, Pat? That's all from me. That's what all from I- Pat. Well, in that case, Chris, to finish up, can you give us just one more reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels? It'd be my pleasure, Dennis. I mean, obviously, I've already referenced the fact that they're seeking a meeting with Sports Minister Elsa Henskins to put Parramatta Eels... Uh, or, Home ground. Well, what would they put? Combank? I don't know what they put. Just that's the Sydney Stadium. Just they'd the want to call it Eels Parramatta logo Stadium. and home of the Parramatta Eels. So I don't like them for that because I I want them to stick solid and invite everybody and be inclusive because mm. we stand for inclusion. No, uh, really, what I have to dislike about the Parramatta Eels is their up and down season, which right now is very much up, and they're heading into the semis in a good frame of mind. But they, I had to read an article by Caden Helmers in the Herald trying to explain the mindset issues in Parramatta, which means I had to read quotes from people like University of Canberra sports psychology professor Richard Keegan, who says it can be traced to a motivation driven by challenges and desirable outcomes. So they call it approach motivation. Gimme, 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 I want that versus avoidance motivation when you're trying to avoid something that's happening. So when you're playing Penrith, you want it. But when you're playing us, you're trying to avoid it. And I had to read comments by the Australian Institute of Sports, former head of sports psychology, Jeff Bond, who said that high-ranked teams are often guilty of effectively telling themselves, I'm the best here and therefore I will win. And again, I assume, like your job, we're paying these guys salaries. And if that's the best insight as to the way Parramatta is hot and cold, it's not money well spent. And that is another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels. And with that, as if we need more. And with that, let's finish this episode of Fire Up. And apparently, there's some rugby league this weekend, a new season of games. Uh, I'll be, I don't know, I might be watching, might not. Can I simply say, go Raiders and go Rabbitohs? Go Eels. Thank you. No. Go out the back door. Out the back door. No, we want Eels in straight sets. That's what we want. Nick Curios 
to beat the Eels in straight sets. That's what we want. But please join us again next week for Fire Up! Like, rugby league, how good is it?